It's about history. It's about preservation. It's about sense of place here on Eastern Long Island. With Esperanza Leon, I'm Erwin Levy, and this is Our Hamptons. Okay. Hi, Esperanza. Hi, Erwin. So... What's the topic today? Let's go. This is all about preservation. That's one of the missions of our Hamptons is preservation. And this one has really been in the forefront here in the town of East Hampton for quite a while. It's the Brooks Brooks Park property. Um, Briefly, 11 acres on Neck Path in Springs. It was the home of the abstract expressionists, James Brooks and Charlotte Park, part of the ABEX movement, born in Springs, perhaps, thrived in Springs, absolutely. And Brooks and Park were part of it all. Pollock, Krasner, De Kooning, Lassa, Novola, Little, the list goes on and on. But this is gonna be germane to the actual property itself, 2013, this property was purchased with CPF, Community Preservation Funds, and landmarked as, landmarking designation was what, Esperanza, as a historical? Yeah, uh, it was It was subsequently, you know, it was purchased with uh, Community Preservation Funds for open space. Um, but what happened was a group of community, you know, residents of the area, lobbied the town to not knock those buildings down because they they were very aware that group of people that of the value of these structures and um the the town board at the time listened and sub, you know subsequently landmarked the the buildings as uh, historical landmarks okay so and that was approximately 2016 to 17 in that neighborhood. So it was three to four years after the town purchased the property, $1.1 million in 2013 for 11 acres, a bargain compared to the cost of land and everything now. So we commend the town board at the time for having the foresight to do that. And, but subsequently it's, you mentioned there was a Brooks Park Heritage Project that was formed uh, after this. This was right after the property was landmarked. Am I correct? Yeah, and I, you know, I, I, I need to maybe confirm that date of the of the landmarking of the designation. But the there was the creation of sort of the the, the it, it was a loose group that then became a more formal group called the Brooks Park Heritage Project, right. and. Um, it was active, as far as I know, up until, you know, probably 2019 at, at, at right. the most recent. Yeah. Okay. So moving it along, uh, the town board, and this is something that's really in your bailiwick, Esperanza serves on the architectural review board. How did this property uh, ultimately come to your board for some kind of review? This was... How did this whole thing come to play? We're just trying to give a background leading up to present day. 
Right. And so we did say, so landmarking occurred around 2016. Um, there was, you know, the, the group, uh, Brooks Park Heritage was making every attempt to, to uh, get the town to restore the buildings, which uh, the community preservation fund provides for that. They actually, the funds can be used for restoration. Uh, that never occurred for whatever reason that I, I, you know, I'm not fully aware. But then what happened was as the years kept going by, and well, I, I do, I am aware of some of the reasons. There were uh, reasons of, you know, whether there was a, a fire well that was needed or that the access driveway was not wide enough and this and that. So there were all these stumbling blocks along the way and no progress was made by the Brooks Park Heritage Project. So ultimately nothing was being done to restore the buildings. They were just sitting in the middle of this wooded lot deteriorating right. from pure negligence. Um, and what then occurred was that the town, uh, town board, I suppose, um, under the advisement of, uh, I presume the land acquisition uh, department brought it to the architectural review board to review um, for demolition, which the procedure indicates that for a landmark, historical landmark, that's what needs to be done. So that occurred. And, you know, unfortunately, it seems that I was the only member at the time on the board. And I think at that moment, particular moment, we were missing one member. So it was, uh, we were not a full board. So it was a Um, three to one vote. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I was, I was the only objector. Got it. Got it. So, see, we love preservation. (laughs) I guess the easy, the easy fix here, I'm thinking from the town board perspective, the easy fix is, hey, 11 acres of open space, just get rid of these buildings that we, that sort of fell into a state of disrepair. But that's not what we wanted. And to give a just a brief thing about the Greater Springs area. This is, as mentioned at the outset of this, this is a historic art colony that is fortunate enough to also have three other art spaces with public access, Duck Creek, Paula Krasner, and the Lieber, uh, the Lieber Collection. Right, and Duck Creek, we should note, is actually also a CPF property. Correct. And Duck Creek is also great property. A lot of great programming occurs there. Wonderful. But it's it's on 6.7 acres versus this 11 acres. This property is twice the size and it has another ace in the hole. It's in the midst of an awful lot of preserved land and open space surrounding it. And our extensive trails network actually runs through the property. That's so right. how's this for that segue of getting into the intersection of art and nature, which yeah, was yeah, and 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 all your realms too, Erwin. I mean, this is totally it, your your uh field. I, I'm in I, I'm in the wheelhouse now, everybody. <laughs> yes, I, I'm exactly. totally I'm totally in the wheelhouse right now. So we had this Brooks Park Arts and Nature Committee that was formed last year in 2021. And now, this committee also reached reached out to you, basically, because 
you were the, the, the one vote that was in favor of preservation. Am I getting the story straight? Yes, I'm in a, in a substantial way. Um, essentially, what happened was that uh, Marietta Gavaris was uh, the person who reached out to me after that meeting of, of the Architectural Review Board, and and said, "Well, you know, thank you so much for your for your your conscience right. voting against this." Um, because really at that time, I, I, yeah, I was completely blindsided, but I knew that for me, it was a complete mistake that the town should landmark structures and then neglect them and then seek to demolish them without really, you know, any other course or action being taken. Um, so, so Marietta reached out to me and the virtual world being what it is, my email response to her didn't arrive in her inbox. So we actually, that was around, I don't know, the meeting from ARB was in January. We didn't, you know, she reached out sometime February. Uh, and then <clears throat> we didn't actually meet in person until that September of that of 2020. And that was sort of the initiation of a, a lobbying of preserving these buildings. You know, I just, I was just helping her along in a way. Okay, understood. So um, as both a preservationist in your personal life and in your, but in your position also on the architectural review board where you are of that mindset and opinion, those things sort of converged and then it sort of morphed into uh, your involvement with uh, BPANC. Yes, um, yeah. I mean, this is, again, you know, it's, it's, it's like, like you, this is a convergence of of my art background, art history background, my growing up here in this cradle of the abstract expressionist movement, and then you know this passion of mine for for preservation and, and uh, for history, which has always been there, but now is you know even more uh, at the surface. Exactly, and I also make, and we've spoken about this uh, privately. One could make the very real argument, or if we want to use that word. The abstract expressionists are as significant a part of the history of East Hampton, particularly of Springs, as the Baymen, the fishermen, the farmers, uh, the Bonnikers, whomever else. They, they were an essential fabric of what this community was. And we're going to push this forward to more or less present day where we are today in this in this. I don't know if maybe fight is too strong a word in this struggle to hopefully preserve these buildings. But for me, as Esperanza mentioned, I'm very active in the East Hampton Trails Preservation Society. And this particular property, this 11 gorgeous, pristine acres with these four structures on it, there was a house, a studio, two outbuildings. There was a vision to transform this rather than just level it into open space, transform it into a arts and nature center. And this is a natural environment here. It's a, it's, it's a paradise for bird watchers. It's a paradise for hikers. And it's a place that can be utilized by a very diverse and broad cross-section of the community. That's what's so amazing about it is, is precisely what you've said, because, you know, 
pretty much anything out here has some nature component, obviously, because of where we are, uh, the, our geography and, and our natural surroundings. But in this case, as you pointed out with the, with the trails and um, the fact is that Charlotte and James, and we can delve a little more into their history, but they ended up in this, in this part because of their, um, th you know, their, their affinity with nature as a motivation, as an inspiration for their artwork, in particular, Charlotte. Um, so this is something that is totally unique out of those other places that you indicated earlier that have public access that, um, that can so be ex exploited. I hate to use yes. that word. It sounds a little ex extreme, but it's, it's, it's such an opportunity to unite in a very uh, creative and formal way, art and nature. I mean, yeah. it's just like it's a no-brainer. It, it, to me, it is. And, and the, there's a couple of things that really stand out on, on this matter for me. One is uh, the heavy lifting has been done. They bought the property. You know, so that part is, that part of it is, is we, they own the land, the town of East Hampton. We, we as residents own this property. Um, yeah, because we have to remember these are public funds. These right? are public, these are public funds. And when you look back over the years, whether it be recent vintage or older than this, a lot of property and we love open space, we're not, we're, we're, I'm ecstatic every time open space is acquired, but there are times that open space is acquired at very high, much higher prices than $1.1 million to preserve the land. And the public access, while it might be there, is sort of limiting. It's just yeah. land that just, it, it's just well, empty people space. Aren't, yeah, is, people might not be aware of it. They're, yeah, so they're not aware of it. This is, yeah. this is a place where trails are running through it. Yeah. This has, this has, much more inherent value to an entire community, not just in, in, in terms of preserving open space, but in public use. I sound like yes. Robert Moses here now, you know, in <laughs> public use, you know, um, but it, it does. And again, dialoguing this with Duck Creek, Paula Krasner, Lieber collection, you would have four sites within a two mile radius, right in the heart of Springs, playing off the history of this community as an abstract, as the birthplace and or lifeblood of the ABEX movement. Yep. So to me, it's just, I guess what's frustrating is to me, it's obvious. Hey, right, wow, right. The potential is, yeah, the potential is so obvious and incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, the old line about historic preservation, if it's lost, Once it's gone. There, it you ain't can't coming, get it back. Ain't exactly. coming, it ain't coming back. So, you know, fast forwarding this to the present day, uh, I ultimately joined this committee based on my involvement with the trails group. And in February of this year, we coordinated working with the committee. We coordinated this hiking event where the East Hampton Trails Preservation Society has an infrastructure in place with media and social media, and they are member list. And long story short, we just sent out email blasts. We really publicized this event. And on a frigid February 20th morning, we had 
150 people on this property with and it was frigid <laughs> it was single digit wind chill factors Ooh. a sunny beautiful sunny beautiful day, day but, I, but cold. I mean freezing cold yes um and i was the quote listen to this title hike leader i hike leader i was the hike leader <laughs> on this uh on this particular day so i was sort of that was my that was my lane here with the committee um and i try to stay in my lane because it's just better for all concerned. So I stayed in that lane, but I will tell you, I've, I've led a ton of hikes and these cars on neck path and on East side course, they just kept on coming. And it was, it was astounding. It, it was, I, it was, it was astounding is a good word. I, th- I wouldn't even call it surreal. I mean, it was hard to describe and we have to sign these people in. I was pulling I was pulling random people. Hey, come, can you come over and help me sign in here? I, I had a friend of mine from the trails group, a, a friend that I knew worked at Guildhall. He helped me sign people in. So um, we were fortunate in that point to get these people signed in. And between you and me, I'm not sure everyone did, but it, it was a great event. And uh, the committee did a presentation and explained the vision of the property. And then we walked the trails and it was a real well, you were there also. We, I, yes. I would call it a feel-good moment. It just, we felt like we had momentum. and It really was exhilarating. I mean, people were truly interested for that many people to come out. And it did coincide, you know, your, the, your whole uh, PR was super effective, but it also coincided with a front page article in the Star, didn't it? That's right. If it I did. recall correctly. That's correct. So I think there were even more people maybe came because of that, but it wasn't just like the curiosity uh, that, you know, uh, people had about visiting this place. I really think there was a genuine interest um, in learning and then supporting the effort. You know, they really saw like, yeah, this is something worthwhile. You could see that. I I would agree. And and it's, um, you could read as much about it as you can, but the fact that we physically brought all of these people on the property and all of these visitors and i'm and i'm and i know this is because i was on the trail with a lot of them and i was talking to a lot of these people randomly and there was like a concept first of all it was such a sense of community where we're in the middle of a pandemic the never-ending pandemic we're still in the middle of it so we can be outdoors which feels a little safer and a little more secure I don't know. If, I don't know if in a winter day I could squeeze 150 people in a small room right now, um, but we certainly, we were certainly able to do it outside. And I think people, I think the the, the visitors sort of fed on that energy. Yeah, for sure. For and sure. it was it, it it was a great event. It in terms for the committee, it really. Um, I think it, it jump-started them to an extent that, hey, not to resurrect old political phrases from a bygone day, but yes, we can. And <laughs> it started to, we started to have like a yes, we can moment. So subsequently, and this is bringing us up to sort of where we are now, we have reached out to the town board. We've had email campaigns the Brooks Park Instagram page, which uh, is has been very active, literally yeah, the website has, that has been created by the BPENC group, which is also really effective, um, has lots of history as well, which for you know, anyone 
wanting to learn more about Charlotte and and Jim, uh, it's it's a vital source of information. Um, yeah, sorry. I mean, I didn't mean to interrupt no, you, but I just think that that this is um, it. It has a momentum right now. I I think you and I feel the same. That that I'm just existing as as I've told you in a recent conversation in the outcome. I'm right. I'm in the positive outcome of this. I feel like we uh, we can do this. The town has the funds. We all know how lined the coffers are right now they, with the community preservation fund. They've and, never been more aligned. And I am not a politician, and I don't claim to even have any inkling of you know wanting to be responsible for these funds. However, this would be, in my view, the the you know the most responsible thing to do with community preservation funds right now is to restore these structures. The word community is part of community preservation funds. Yeah. And I cannot think of a site that would benefit a community more than this one. People just need to have a vision. And I think that that's something that we could, we could look at uh, Charlotte Park and James Brooks, and they had a vision, obviously, for their artwork, but also for where they were going to live, right? And that vision is... is it's evidenced in that in that site. I would say Charlotte and James' sense of place was important to them. For sure. <laughs> oh my gosh, no and, question. And, and and they, and we we speak about this often. Uh, if we could transport ourselves to the springs of the late forties and nineteen fifties, the I use this term perhaps more loosely than I should, but it was Camelot for these people living together, working together of like minds and painting under this light and the afternoon parties, the artist writer softball game, which originated in forget, forget the, the, the game at Herrick Park. This game originated in Springs in Wilfred Zogbaum's backyard or front yard, as the case may be. But uh, that's the history of this place. And at the end of the day, it's about three town board votes. We could we could talk all we could go off into a million tangents on the state of the property, engineering reports, and this and that. If the community wants it, and they email and call or do whatever to our supervisor and four town board members, the squeaky wheels get the grease. And if there is an outcry, and if there's enough people that say yes, we want this. It can work and it can come to be. And yeah, and I would say, you know, stealing that that little phrase from that baseball movie, if you build it, they will come. I, it, <laughs> I, I think that's um, and I would agree. And I think that's I think that's a perfect endpoint. So keep all of you East Hampton Town residents stay tuned because this vote will come up at some point. Uh, it, I don't know what the timetable is, but I would suffice to say it's got to be. Let me use the blanket term soon. Yeah, you know, the wheels of government turn slowly, except yes. when they don't. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Exactly. So right. the time to act is now, I would say for sure, like you're saying. Um, also, 
we can't forget to mention, I think, and I don't know if this is, uh, has concluded already, but um, Charlotte Park does have an exhibition in Manhattan currently at the Barry Campbell Gallery, uh, which I hear is very worthwhile. I've only seen uh, pictures, photographs of the installation, but you know, her artwork is sublime. Um, and, uh, and I understand that uh, James Brooks was scheduled to have an exhibition of his work at the Parish Museum last year. It was postponed due to the pandemic. It was scheduled, rescheduled for this summer, and I believe has been rescheduled yet again. Yeah, that's what I heard as well. Yes. Um, but, you know, everything happens when it has to happen. Exactly. I, I believe strongly in that. And uh, so, I mean, really the, the best source, like I said, is uh, the, the website right now for the Brooks Park, Park Arts and Nature uh, Center, which is uh, let's see, brooks-parkarts.org, um, or just Google Brooks Park Arts and Nature Center, and it will come up. Uh, but it has wonderful images of the property, of the buildings, which, as we've been told, you know, on one hand, they're an attractive nuisance, and on right. the other hand, they're substantially salvageable and can be repurposed, upcycled, reused as a wonderful arts and nature center. It's um, look, admittedly, it can be perceived as it's a heavy lift. It's a challenge to bring these buildings up to par, but it can be done. And I, I just continue to go back. Future generations will thank the, we'll this thank town us. board yes. if yes. they make that happen, because it, it Paula Krasner, John Little at Duck Creek, the Lieber Museum, Brooks Park. It's just, let it be so. Yeah, add it to the constellation and add it to, like you said, our sense of place and our sense of community. This, this fulfills all of that. Great stuff. Thank you, Esperanza. Thanks, Erwin. Always a pleasure to talk with you. And it's fun. Always fun. <laughs> talk to you soon. Okay. Last word. After this episode was recorded, the Brooks Park property was named one of the 11 most endangered places by the National Trust for Historic Preservation and one of the seven to save endangered places by Preservation League of New York State. These independent organizations, both on the state and the federal level, recognize the significance and the importance of the Brooks Park property selecting Brooks Park over many other worthy candidates. While this is positive news, it isn't a victory. East Hampton town residents are encouraged to contact the supervisor and town board. Tell them yes to preserving Brooks Park. The contact info will be in our bio on the Our Hamptons podcast Instagram. Thanks so much for joining us. New episodes of Our Hamptons are released every other Tuesday. Find them wherever you get your podcasts.